of T watches a scary movie. Of course, I am T, and we are talking some scary movies. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode. Remember, new episodes traditionally go up every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, the video version on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movies. Again, that's youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. Or you can find the audio-only version on your favorite podcasting platforms, including iTunes and Podbean. Just search T Watches a Scary Movie. Don't forget to follow me on my social channels. I'm on Twitter, A-X-D-E-W. I'm on Instagram as Theron underscore Reynolds. And of course, you can find our Facebook group to where I put written reviews. I'll put my new episodes up. You can find info on our watch parties at facebook.com slash groups slash T Scary Movie. So I said it was a special edition of T Watches a Scary Movie today, and it is because, folks, we are back with T and friends watch a scary movie. And joining me today is one of my all-time favorites. I've talked a lot about how uh, in the 90s I moved to Australia, and we didn't have a lot to watch there. I mean, besides what was coming to the theaters, we had one American channel, and we only got what they picked to put on that channel from uh, the States. And one of the shows that I got into, very much so, absolutely love it to death, was a show called Sliders, about a group of people who end up getting this device that allows them to travel to parallel dimensions, and they're trying to find their way back home. Now, Sliders, the star of that show, it was a young man named Jerry O'Connell, who you might recognize from other works, including Stand By Me, Scream 2, or Piranha 3D. And I have landed him, folks. I have been wanting to interview this man for a very, very long time. Big admirer of his work, and we got the interview. So, we're not going to waste any time at all here. We're going to get right into it, but... Folks, I'm giving away two copies, that's right, two copies of Scream 5 to celebrate this interview. I'm going to give away a digital copy as well as a physical copy. And to qualify, to get a chance to win that, all you have to do is be following me on Twitter and you got to retweet this show. That's right. If you want a chance, just follow me on Twitter and retweet this show and you're good to go. That's all you have to do at that point. Well, of course, I want you to like this post as well, too. But that comes standard with the territory. But follow me, like this post, and retweet this. And you got a chance to win yourself a free copy of Screams. Now, tomorrow, if you're watching this at the right time, I have another new episode of the show coming where I'm going to be reviewing Nightmare Alley and Mimic. It's a Guillermo del Toro episode. Not that one. But next week's show, where I'll be doing some werewolf horror, talking The Curse, the 2022 film, and Cursed, the Wes Craven were werewolf movie, that is where I'm going to reveal the winner. So again, if you want a chance to win a free copy of Scream 5, like this post, make sure you're following me on Twitter, and retweet this, and I'm going to pick two winners randomly, and you're going to get a free copy of Scream 5. Keep in mind, though, physical copy you will not receive until April, as it's not coming out until April 1st, I actually believe it is. So... Uh, digital copy, you'll get it immediately. Physical copy, you're going to have to wait a little bit on that. But no more time to waste in here, folks. Here's my interview with Jerry O'Connell. Hello, folks, uh, and welcome to T Watches a Scary Movie. And we got a special edition today here. We're doing T and Friends Watch a Scary Movie. And joining me is the incomparable Jerry O'Connell. Jerry, how you doing today? What's going on? First time, long time. I love your, uh, I love your digs there. Although you have the Lee of, although you have the Lee of Schreiber Scream Two poster in back of you, 
it pains me because like I bought this poster like about 15 years or so ago. And that was back when Amazon didn't give you all the options of stuff to get. Because Lord knows, I want that O'Connell poster. That's the win right well, there. It's so funny to me. I was in the original poster and then I wasn't in the DVD poster. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess Liev is definitely more famous than I am. I guess that's it. But um <laughs> But your role seat was like definitely more vital, I feel, to like the movie, though. So you feel that I they put that one. I guess also, I uh, spoiler alert. I, are we allowed to give 22 year old spoilers here? You're good. 22 year old spoiler role. alert. There you go. Um, my, my character doesn't make it, but Liev's does. So maybe it was that. But uh, man, I got to tell you, it's so funny. I remember seeing the poster on the DVD walking into a blockbuster or whatever and being like, are you kidding me? I'm not on the poster anymore. Like I should be right there. And it's now it's nowhere. It's nowhere now. Of course. Of course. Now we have a 10-year rule here. So you're free to spoil whatever you want to about oh, good. I love that. as we go. Yeah, because we want to make sure rule. Okay. everybody's checking the new stuff. Cause matter of fact, I was just watching uh Satanic Panic the other day, and I was like, no, we cannot give away spoilers there. That's only a few years old at this point. So we're leaving that. But yeah, no, Scream's perfectly fine to get into. So fun. There's a couple movies I was a part of that. I keep I keep getting revisited on Twitter and everything. Mm -hmm. And Satanic Panic is one of them. Piranha 3D is one of them. But Satanic Panic gets a lot of online props. It's really funny. Honestly, I mean, watching it too, I, I think a lot of that really comes from the fact that it's just like, it seems like one of those old school horror flicks from like back in the 80s that you're just having fun watching and you can laugh at, but still... It's gory as hell. And plus, Fangoria yeah. produced it. So it's, it's, it's pretty easy yeah. to see why people are loving that one of yours. Now. It was really cool. Our director, Chelsea Stardust, is, uh, I mean, like an auteur, a fan, a student of horror. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really fun. I mean, uh, it, was, it was all practical effects because, uh, you know, it was a lower budget horror film. But sure. um, I... Uh, I love those. Those are my favorites. You know, I mean, I just, uh, I could, I could watch them all the time. It's so funny. My wife and I are huge horror fans. Um, and we just watched Superzia. I hope I'm saying that right. Sir. Yeah. Uh, the new one or the OG? You got it right there. We, we watched the new one. Okay. I have never seen the OG one. Um, it was really good. Also, yeah. again, a lot of practical effects, a lot of, uh, it was really cool, really stylized. I um, and we Tilda were really Swinton into it. Kills it in that role too. Like I didn't even know that was Tilda Swinton in the damn movie. But all of them, uh, Maya Goth, Tilda yeah. Swinton, Dakota Johnson, mm -hmm. Chloe Moritz, all those girls. It was really stylized. It was um, I mean the budget must have been out of this world. You know Smart. what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. But um, it was really good. Really, really, really good flick. High, high, high recommend. And the it's, best it's, horror film, the best horror film we watched in the pandemic was uh, uh, Let the Right, was Let the Right One In, though. Yeah, the, the, the vampire the, one Swedish, that Chloe was in. The, no, 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 the Swedish version. Oh, the original. You, you're talking the original one. Okay, yeah. yeah. That oh, was, that one, man. That was oh. a real, that was a real movie. Just like paced out. I mean, is it over 10 years with that movie? Oh, absolutely. You're good. You're good. Spoiler alert. When they cut to the shot of the young vampire and then she's an old lady and then she's back to being young, man, that was just like, 
And by the way, that's like simple horror stuff. I mean, literally, they just have they say put the old lady in there and they put the old lady in and then they cut like and then they just yeah. cut it back and forth. But it's so effective. That that to me is awesome. Um, low budge horror stuff that just gets like actual actual reactions out of out of us as an audience. Definitely. And I, it's it's crazy to hear that like you and your wife are big into horror because you actually got to be, you know, a kid in the 80s when that's kind of the golden age that we had of all these sequels coming out to all these established franchises and stuff like that. And kind of the start of your career as well, too. And not even career wise, but back in the 80s, did you find yourself in the theaters a lot checking out like all the new entries to Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween and things like that now? You know, I got to tell you, I was more of an action movie kid of the 80s, the Rambos and the Schwarzeneggers and stuff. Oh, of course. But yeah. I got to tell you, since being in a relationship with my wife, we are we're 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 horror movie fans. We 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 go to the theater. I um I'm not a drug guy, but uh my wife may or may not be and uh <laughs> she likes to get a little uh have a little fun. And uh, I remember, I don't tell her what we're going to because my wife is not really like in on like what's coming out and all that stuff. So you're picking so the I movie. Don't tell her, so I don't tell her what we're going to. I just tell her to get high AF. And, <laughs> um, and I took her to Hereditary. Oh, and my wife had no idea no. what it was or anything. And I got to tell you, when <laughs> when when Tony Collette Spoil has it been 10 years? Who cares? When Tony Collette yeah. crawls across the ceiling silently, yeah. We we're in a theater, and my wife was pretty blitzed. My wife was like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Losing it was really it. fun to watch, even yeah. oh man. And yeah, we're here in Colorado, so I definitely understand now, too, because that's the way you have to be with some of these now. Um and it, it, it's great. That, that's so awesome because it seems it seems very hit or miss or I guess one way or the other what actors who uh, they get they get to do a lot of like genre roles or roles in the horror industry. And you hear a lot of them like typically say like, you know, it's just a role like it's nothing for me or anything like that. So it's actually refreshing to hear that you, know, you guys really enjoy that, that that's actually a big, a big enjoyment for you too. Really fun to work on. Um, uh, I have one. Um coming out later at some point maybe later this year called the corner uh starring uh bailey madsen uh so great uh directed by patrick who um edited all the scream films it's a patrick, real horror uh, film a real slasher film yeah. yeah um it's gonna be a real i i, I high recommend it's gonna be a real slasher it's uh it's um it's uh Bailey Madsen and myself, and uh, there's some hunting that happens. Okay. Yeah, uh, hunt hunting down of people, and um, it's cool. A lot of gore, a lot of a uh, lot of practical gore. Fun, Which is... fun to play, fun we... to be on. And you know, they um, it's so funny. I know Patrick Wilson well, mm -hmm. and he's his success, uh, like the pillar of it is all in the insidious franchise mm -hmm. and it's um i think if you're gonna be an actor i think you need a good horror franchise in your in your quiver you just yeah. do i mean it's just 
the movies do well. It's a big part of Hollywood. It's not the most glamorous part of Hollywood. It's not the part that gets you uh, high scores on Rotten Tomatoes or gets you awards, but it um, it's it's an essential part of 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 filmmaking. I don't even want to call it Hollywood filmmaking. Yeah. Hollywood, you know, man, it's so funny. I was um, we watched Superzia, and so it came up, and we streamed it, of course, and uh, I was like looking through what the algorithm was suggesting that we watch after it, and it follows came up after it. That's a great. And movie. I was like, that was a good freaking movie, man. That was a real movie that oh, I went yeah. to the theaters twice to go and see. It what follows a, is my jam. Teenagers, sex, yeah. STDs. Oh yeah. Teenagers in a group, teenagers getting picked off. Don't have sex, you'll get killed. If you have sex, you're dying. That was an old school Detroit horror movie. And the I fact don't know that, anything about it follows to the people who made it, but you did a great job. And the fact that, too, like, again, you hit right on the head there. I mean, that's such an old trope, obviously. Like, you have sex in a horror movie, you're going to die. And the fact that literally the point of the movie is if you have sex in this horror movie, you are going to die. Like, that's the it was awesome. actual. Yeah. It was awesome. And it was such an awesome film, too, because, like, something's happening in the beginning. You know it's kind of creepy. And then, I mean, uh, I, I don't want to sound like a creep, but it's like, teenagers being tied up and like not on their will and then a monster coming and it's like a whole it's like a whole thing in an abandoned like warehouse don't go have sex with boys in abandoned warehouses you know it's just there's life lessons there like i, I yeah. have daughters i can take my daughters to it follows and be like this is what happens if you meet dudes and go mm -hmm. into warehouses with them this is what happens a, i'm a not even gonna do gonna anything this will happen yep <laughs> And speaking of which, I mean, because, you know, you just mentioned your uh, your, your daughters that you, you and Rebecca have as well there. Um, do you get brownie points right now? Because, you know, Scream 5 just came out and it's doing amazing numbers. Uh, it The only, like, Scream 2 is like the highlight of the series. Like, y'all made big, big money uh, box office-wise for Scream 2. And Scream 5 is finally coming back around and getting that kind of critical acclaim and everything. Are you getting credit at home for that with your daughters, knowing that, like, Hey, dad did that, you know, back in the day. That, that was me doing that back then. Definitely. I have I have 13-year-old daughters, and it's not so much them because they my daughters think I'm an idiot, but um their <laughs> friends uh come up to me and that sure. like really confuses that really confuses my children is when their friends come up to me and go, Hey, you were in Scream 2. I saw it. We're catching up before we see the movie. You you played Derek, and it really like like my 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 kids are like, what were they talking to you about? Like I think the poppy, I got to tell you, I think the most pop, my kids are in seventh grade and I think the most popular eighth grader at their school came up to me and oh, talked to me God. about Scream 2. And my daughters came up to me and they were like, what did she just talk to you about? And uh, I was like, oh, Scream 2. And they were like, what did she say? And I was like, none of your business. Like, you're not with the popular kids. Like, that's a me and them right you. there. <laughs> yeah, I said to my daughters, I was like, you guys are nerds. I'm. I'm not telling you. Oh no! <laughs> is it a I was like, uh, get a life, get a life, loser? Is it a thing around Halloween for y'all? Because obviously that ghost face mask is just everywhere. It's it's a popular one every year. Like, do y'all going trick or treating? You're going to get costumes and stuff like you that. You know, is we it... are, we are horror. We are um, we are horror Halloween horror nights family. We go yeah. every year, sometimes twice a year. 
listen, I work hard all year to pay for the fast pass. We do it. I love it because my children are 13. Yeah. And you can call child services now. I've been taking them <laughs> since they were like 10. But and they're worth it. They're it so worth it. Up. It really, it really scares, scares my kids. I wish I had it more really around scares you. my kids. Because uh, I love that you go. Like, do you guys typically do, I assume it's the California one y'all typically are hitting now. Are you doing the yeah. Florida ones at all? No, we do the um, we do the um, uh, the Universal Studios here in yeah. here in Los Angeles. Yeah, I got me me and my wife got to go. We 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 try to go every every year as well too. And like, so we get like the nice shot glasses. Got my Leatherface one here and everything yeah. from the year they did it. And um, you know, with y'all getting uh, getting to like just engage with your fans. You know, you're talking about like your daughter's at school and getting to go to Halloween Horror Nights and everything as well. Um. Do you ever, I guess, look back at your career and some of those uh, some of those earlier roles that you did and kind of wish that you got a bit of the experience that maybe your daughters get with uh, with you now, like in terms of uh, of being in the not necessarily the Hollywood lifestyle, but being in this film industry and having that connection to somebody who can kind of guide them, kind of talk about everything that's going on in that world? You know, I had a father who really liked film and appreciated film. I went to NYU film school. Um, uh, I think it's just having a parent who's, uh, you know, and I don't want to just say it's film. I know you're a horror film, uh, you know, channel podcast, but I think it's all film. You know, I think, um, I think horror steals from all genres, definitely comedy. Oh yeah. Um, You know, um, so I don't want to just say it's, I, I, I don't want to just narrow it to, I, I, I just don't want to narrow it down to I'm teaching my children an appreciation of horror. It's, it's more an appreciation of all art. You know, I mean, my kids are illegally blonde now at school and like, uh, that's like even doing musicals. There's something, there's, there's, there's elements of horrors and musicals and musicals and horror, you know, I mean, like, uh, you know, take a, take a film like reservoir dogs like that's got horror elements in it when um when um um yeah when when michael madsen is carving that man's face off that's a horror film you know that's not a that's not a heist film that's not you know that's a that's a horror film Mm -hmm. and there's musical elements to that he plays like uh you put the lime in the coconut Yep. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it all, it all comes together. So I don't like to even say that horror is just one genre. I, I like to think things are influenced by all genres. And looking at some of the roles that you've done, um, uh, one big thing, even going away from horror that you, you seem to kind of like really excel in is those coming of age stories. And of course they're, they're stand by me, but then we have uh, a lot of other roles in there as well too, um, including uh, one of my absolute favorites, uh, Calendar Girl, you know, uh, <laughs> Hardly Waits part of that, even Camp Wilder. And what kind of, let me rephrase, let me, I guess, let me rephrase this here. Um, those are important tales for, for everybody. You know, I think when you're young, you tend to do films that revolve around young kids. You know, if I was, if I was 20 right now, mm-hmm. I'd probably be in Outer Banks or One of Us is Lying. And yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I'm not, you know, now I'm in my forties. So I'm playing the dad of whoever's in One of Us is Lying or Outer Banks, you know? Sure. Um, 
So I think it's just, and listen, I was fortunate enough to be in, can't hardly wait. I was fortunate enough to be in Stand By Me, you know? Yeah. I would have said Calendar Girl, but no one knows what you or I are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that was a that was a throwback for me. I, I watch that all the time back in the day now. Um, and especially like, cause you talk about how like at your age now you would choose obviously different roles. And if you were 20 now, you'd be playing this different role in series and movies these days. Did you have much say uh, in, in the roles that you were taking back when you were younger no. and coming up? No. Okay. no, it was, I still don't. And you know what? I still don't have say, you know, yeah. I mean, listen, I'm sure some people are really good at choosing roles and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm a. I'm really. I'm someone who's open to the universe. I believe you are where you are for a reason. And you know. Um, uh, you know. For for example, the film, the, the corner that we shot this summer, like that's mm-hmm. coming out later this year. Like, that was Patrick who edited Scream to who edited Scream Two, and he came to me and he had the script, and it was. Um, it was great. It's just I'm a I'm a real believer in fate and just being open to the universe and all that sort of stuff. But no, I'm not choosing any of these things. You know, like I auditioned for Piranha 3D. I go in there and I I have a pretty good idea of who I'm going to base the character on, and I go in there and give it to them, and it, it works out. And Piranha 3D is interesting because you know your character in there, uh, he's this you know sleazy porn director producer and everything, and you always you always tend to excel, uh, you know, in any in, in any role we see you and you excel in. But um, I think a lot of people would associate you with being like the all American good guy. You know, he's the hero. He's the he's the guy that's going to come through in the end. And whenever you get to play these kind of like you know alternate roles like that, or even like in Tomcats or anything, you also are hilarious. <laughs> you're you're absolutely hilarious in that and i'm curious if are you pulling from you know different banks within you to like when you're playing your your uh you know your quinn mallory's or 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 all these other roles versus something like uh like derek and piranha now like are you are do you have to go for someplace different for that motivation to play those kind of things no i think you play different things for different roles you know Mm -hmm. you know you just play different things for different roles. I, I know that's not really wording it very, very eloquently, but like you get a vibe on a set, you see who you're working with, you see what the director wants. I'm a true believer in, in this as a collaborative process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not just me coming on with a performance. When I go on to Piranha 3D, I see what Alexandra Aja is going for, you know, and I can see he's going for sort of this like pop culture, you know, he's a French guy who probably watched spring breaks happen on MTV. And so he's got this like sort of like hyper uh, sort of like energy drink idea of what spring break is. And so I'm going to give that to him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'm working on a boat in Piranha 3D with beautiful ladies but the story's being told through the eyes of a teenage boy. So a lot of my performance is going to be sort of crazy performative for him and then bringing it back down to be sort of like a quiet secret between me and this young boy, you know, like I'm letting him into my secret world. So it's, um, I'm influenced by everything around me when I play things. I don't come in there and go, I made these notes. This is what I'm doing. This is it. I come onto set 
every day and I look around and I say, who's funny around here? Sometimes the location is funny. Sometimes there's something interesting at the location. Sometimes there's a background artist that's interesting. Sometimes there's a coworker. You're like, I should be next to this coworker. Um, I just stay open to the universe, man. Yeah. I swear I'm not high in this interview. <laughs> nah, but we'll, we'll ship you some from Colorado. And, and I'm sorry I had to start driving. I told you I got to pick my dogs up. Oh, bed, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Now, um, uh, to the dimension, Alexandra, uh, he also did the, the remake of The Hills Have Eyes that was done by Wes Craven, who obviously you worked with. Yeah. Can you talk yep. about your experiences getting to work with uh, the late, great Wes Craven he back was, in the day? I mean, he was just such a calming... He's, he was just a, he was beyond a coach, a boss. He was like, he was like a figure. He was like a calming figure. I, I, he was, he was godlike actually. Yeah. He was godlike. He was godlike. I, I, I really, um, uh, God rest his soul. I, I wish I had really, I did appreciate every moment I had with him, but I wish I like really like savored every moment I had with him really, uh, he was he was a god in my eyes yeah to a lot of people to a lot of people for sure that's that's amazing to hear because you know a lot of times we might not get that kind of honesty from people in this industry to say that so that's fantastic to hear because that's the same same thoughts a lot of people i think have about him and i'm curious because kevin williamson uh who wrote scream 2 uh said sometime recently that the stories that came out from that movie that there were you know, a million redrafts of the script and everything and pages weren't given until the day of. And there's a very popular version of the script out there that features instead of what we saw, which is, you know, you're still the good guy. You're still, you know, the the main the main male character, you're Sidney Prescott's boyfriend. And ultimately, you know, it doesn't go well for you at the end. But there's that popular version of the script out there where it's revealed that actually you and Elise Neal's character were actual killers in the movie. I heard that we were the killers. I heard that script leaked. I've never read it. I didn't even know it was out there. Okay. I mean, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure it's real, is it? No, he's he said it was a cover. So that that's exactly what Williamson said. He said it wasn't actually a thing. Oh wow. So it was a fake script. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well that's cool. That's interesting then. Okay, so there's not really any, uh, there, there's no kind of conspiracy or anything like that to where there's on the cutting room floor, this ending of Derek being being the killer, ripping the mask off, anything like that now. No, we only shot that one ending, I mean, in, in Scream 2, but we did not get it until we shot it. Okay. That, that, part, I, that part I do do remember. Yeah. All right, well, to change gears just slightly, only got a few more here for you. Um, mentioning going back to getting to work with your family and everything, you've actually gotten to play uh, a very big role that a lot of us love, Superman, in a lot of recent DC animated films, doing a great job with that. And what might shock a lot of people is that a lot of those DC films that you were doing kind of tend to verge on the horror side, especially the most recent one, Apocalypse War, and all these heroes are getting killed and just destroyed and everything like that. Um, I am very, very curious uh, how it is getting to getting to work with your wife on a number of these properties. And then what really goes into playing the most powerful person on the planet who also has to be scared? Well, first of all, the most exciting part about playing Superman in those DC animated films is the fact that you are playing Superman. I mean, that's like that's that's like obituary stuff. 
right there. Yeah. The second really fun thing is that um, I really believe that those DC animated films are some of the best superhero. <laughs> they, I, I think they're some of the best superhero storytelling out there. Period. They are. They really are. And um, so it's an honor to work with all those people in DC animation. Mm-hmm. And lastly, working with my wife. You know, you get a second hand. There's like a, there's something fun about it. It just works. There's a, um, you know, a lot of times you're you're not recording with the other artists, and you do hear them, and you get an idea. But like, there's like a second hand when you when you're working with your wife, and it's a funny story. And we get get to go to Comic Con. You know, I mean, I mean, it's like it's like a whole thing. You know. Do you find so we, um... we 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 get the carpool at Comic Con together. We 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 do a couple of panels. It's it's a blast. Do you find uh, voice work to be like just as challenging as actually like doing on screen work? Is it is it actually just like is it easier just to kind of get in the booth and just like lay it down? You know, I'll tell you what's challenging about playing Superman in the DC animated films is um, the fan base is um, very protective of their Superman. Of course. So when you're new, people don't like you. Uh, you read the comments. You take the notes, you do the second one, and then a few more people like you, just a few more. The film comes out, you read the comments, you hear the you hear the rude comments at Comic-Con when someone comes up to a microphone and insults you in front of hundreds of people. Um, you, you know, take those lumps and then you do another movie. And then there's a few better come you know it's it's a it's a process it's a journey you get used to it as much as everybody else gets used to you i really appreciate everybody's notes i i I take them it's not my role it's it's the fans role it's the fans world so um i uh it's uh that's the the challenging part is the expectation yeah the challenging part is the demand for excellence and i mean you rose the rose to the challenge it seems like because you had a number of films to where you got to portray the role and you closed out on an extremely strong note before you know they reset (laughs) everything and new series and everything like that now Um, you know I, i i i gotta say i cannot take all the credit that warner brothers dc animation team is it's the best yeah. The writing is the best. The artists are the best. The um, the desire to do some to give the fans something new while staying true to the original work. Um, they're the best. Mm-hmm. They're they're the best. And you know, I work in, in Star Trek now. I work I work in a lot of genres where there is canon, and I'm so glad that I got to learn and cut my teeth with canon with the dc animated world yeah and speaking of fandom by the way too i'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about sliders here and uh the idea of sliders quinn mallory designs a device that allows him to travel to parallel worlds like tagline says it's same year you're the same person everything else is different and what's interesting about that show and you've talked about it before is that it kind of changed genres as it kept going on, starting off as a big sci-fi show, 
And then it started evolving to where we saw, started seeing all these homages to popular films, you know, Tremors and Night of the Living Dead and uh, Island of Dr. Moreau. And I'm curious if during your time on the show, um, what, what was really the preference for you looking back at all your heavy sci-fi stories that you told in the earlier seasons versus, you know, before you left the show, getting to do a lot of the more genre stuff in it. Is there a preference to the stories you like telling in that show? I, I had no preference with sliders. I loved that every week was a new movie, was a new TV show. That's what was so awesome about sliders. Now, listen, we were being made right next door. We were sort of the B side of X Files, so X Files was was doing the exact same thing. Yeah, and um, that's the that's the fun thing about Sliders is that it was not. You can't say it was one type of show. You know, listen. Toward the end there, when I was on, uh, there was a lot of alien stuff and machine guns, and uh, you know, uh, our bosses were renting Humvees, and like there was a lot of like, sort of like. Um, uh, alien action, if you will. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know who that was a note from, but it was like a lot of like alien machine gun fire action. So, you know, uh, the, I, I, um, I, uh, I loved earlier, earlier sliders, later sliders sort of, uh, I had issues with. Yeah. And there, ha there have been, you know, rumors and everything like that, that uh, at least you and John Reese davies uh, are interested in possibly like revisiting that world. There was a great sketch you did, I think, for Funny or Die back in the day, right. uh, covering that as well, too. I'm curious, like, is there, is there, are there, have there been any updates, any new details, any progress on that front with the uh, last revival? Universal owns the rights. Last year, I called this person's office at Universal International. That's who supposedly owns the rights. Mm -hmm. And they have yet to call me back. Ah, all right. It's been a year. Still Man. waiting on that callback. <laughs> I'm not Universal. giving a name. That would be so rude. Come on, Universal. <laughs> call back, please. Please. Yeah, please I'll give back. a company. I won't give a name. <laughs> but it's um, it's funny. I, I think it would be... Uh, maybe they think there's not a demand for it. You know, um. I, I mean, I think there is, but that's just me reading my own Twitter feed. So what do I know? <laughs> oh, there's a demand. I, I would agree with that. There, there's a big demand there for it. All right. So before we let you go, then uh, the one thing I've done with all my guests here on the show is a little bit of a, a little bit of fantasy booking for a couple of roles to see where you would take it. You know, I get it. You're, you're the actor. You're just portraying the words that are written on screen, but Sometimes I'm sure, you know, you have your own thoughts about where something could go. So I got two quick ones for you that I'm curious where you would take it now. So we got to go scream because obviously that's the big thing going on right now. Let's say Derek doesn't die, takes the shot, goes right. to the shoulder. He's able to walk yeah. off in the distance. Right. Where, where in your mind, and it can be outlandish. It could be something that might've been talked about at one point, but if you've ever given, given any thought to it, where would Derek be, I guess, in this franchise had he not died in Scream 2? Him and Sydney still together. Did Ghostface eventually get him in one of these other films? Where would you see him? No, he and Sydney are not together because they were just dating in college. Okay. Um, uh, I guess he's severely traumatized by what happened. Does he still go um, into medical school, I guess, is the good question then. No, I think he, I think he pivots and he works with victims of violent victims of violence okay. and he um 
I mean, I'd like to think he goes a little Dewey mode and helps Dewey uh, catch catch old Ghostface. Okay, I like that. I, I do like that because that that kind of seems very realistic from a character who. Although you know, I was I was always jealous that Tim Oliphant got to be the killer man. That's some good stuff there. He he did a good role, but you guys also played very well off of each other throughout the film as well too. Um. And the last one I have for you here, I um, hit sliders again on this one. Um, if you got to change the fate of Quinn Mallory, it doesn't have to continue on from, from the you know, last season you did or anything like that. But uh, without giving away any spoilers, I guess, of anything could be talked about, where would Quinn Mallory be today? Give me one second. I'm, I'm just on the phone. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry. What was your question? So if, uh, if you could fantasy book today, Quinn Mallory, where he's at, you know, the last season of Sliders doesn't happen or anything there. Where would you see Quinn Mallory going? Oh, man. Sliding? I want – everybody wants Quinn back. Come on. He's broken. He hasn't made it home. He's given up hope, and then someone comes in his life and says, we got to get back home. And then he's got to pick up all the originals. We got to get Clavant Derricks, John Rhys-Davies, and Sabrina Lloyd in there. Awesome. <laughs> Well, Jerry, I really appreciate your time today and coming on T-Watch is a scary movie. You got a big fan in me, and I know you got a lot of fans around the world, so it's much appreciated. You're coming on for a little bit and talking your career, man. Thank you, pal. And that's going to do it. Thank you, Jerry, so much again for joining us here on T-Watch is a scary movie to talk a lot about your great career. It was a lot of fun getting to talk with you. And I hope we get to see you come back when we get to look at the coroner later this year. That's going to do it for us tonight, folks. Again, if you want a chance to win a copy of Scream 5, please make sure that you have liked this post. If you're looking at this on Twitter, make sure that you're following me. That's A-X-D-E-W. And make sure to share this post as well, too. And I'm going to be picking out a winner uh, on next week's show where I'll be reviewing The Cursed and Cursed. But also... Don't forget to tune in tomorrow while I'll be looking at some Guillermo del Toro horror. We're going to be looking at the recent release, Nightmare Alley, and a classic of his that I absolutely love, Mimic. Tune in. You're not going to want to miss that one, that ending of Nightmare Alley, right? So that's going to do it for me, folks. My name is T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared.